All right, as we get into the summer, there's a couple different things about Southeast that you might recognize. And honestly, we get into the summer in kind of a weird way, in kind of a way that we have uh, traditionally over the years that we've been a church community. Um, as you may know, we met on uh, the first Sunday of May. We met on Mother's Day. We had a picnic um, on the weekend after, which I call qualifying weekend. If you're in Indianapolis, you know what that means. And then we always have race weekend off where we enjoy time as a community to go out and be a part of our community. We, we at this church, um, there's a lot of different phrases you'll see that make up who Southeast is. Um, some of those phrases we use, uh, we talk about exploring the way of Jesus, and we talk about what that means, to explore the way of Jesus together. Another phrase you hear us talk about is, we'll say things like, that is so Southeast, and it just means the way that people serve, and the way people give, and the way people are involved. And then we also talk about being a church for our community. And that has been a huge part of the essence of Southeast for a very long time. And it means just being for the community, being a part of who we are and where we are. Um, it means reaching specifically um, this community right here, but also reaching into our city, reaching the broader Indianapolis community, celebrating who we are as a community. And so um, we did that last week and said, hey, if you want to go to the lake or have a picnic or spend time with people or like us, come and hang out in the first turn and watch the the race cars. That's what we want to do because we want to celebrate as a part of our community. Now, clearly, um, I yelled way too much. Um, that's not a surprise to anybody. I was already kind of losing my voice on Monday. Um, that's what three red flags at an end of a race do when you're screaming your mind out. And then as we then got into the week, um, I thought it was going to get a little bit better. It didn't really get much better. It kind of got better, and then it I woke up and things were worse, and so that's kind of where I'm at today. So I will probably still preach a full-length sermon because I can't help myself, um, but that's where I am, so you're going to have to deal with a little bit of a voice like this today. But I just want to tell you, it's really cool. On Thursday, I knew that I was, my voice was gone. I was planning to lead worship. Kurt is still healing, um, and, and will be back to lead worship at, at some point as he continues to heal. I'm so thankful he was standing right there with me, and I just, man, I just love you. But we were laughing because we're sitting in the back, and we're grinning like a couple of fools staring at each other as Anna leads us in worship this morning and just does an incredible job. And I had reached out to her Thursday. I was going to lead in Kurt's place, and I said, Anna, I can't, there's no way. Um, if you want Barry White leading in worship, maybe I could do that. That would be weird. Um, and not, and we talk about this, not, not in a good, weird way, like a bad, weird. Um, so I called Anna, and Anna's like, yeah, for sure. And so she stepped up, and man, I just, it was awesome. And so I'm just so thankful for the talents of our team, the people that we have around us. As many of you know, I mean, let's be honest, we've talked about this, we've been very clear about this. The last few years have not been easy. They've not been easy for anybody. Um, we had some people out to our house doing some work on the house this week, and this guy looked at me, and, and we were just talking, and he started sharing. And he shared some stuff in his life that is just going on that's like really hard. And I was like, did you, do I have like a sign somewhere that says like pastor? Because I was pretty sure I was just hanging, like I didn't have anything, I wear a collar, I don't have like a, like a name, that'd be weird, man, right? Like a name tag that says reverend, I don't do that. But he was sharing all this deep stuff and I looked at him and I said some, something that I didn't make up, but it's some wisdom I received a long time ago. I looked at him and I said, you know, man, here's the deal, dude. Every, everybody's got something big going on, don't we? And the guy with him that was working with him, that was just helping him, he's sitting over and he, he hears me say this to the guy and all of a sudden, I don't even see, he's like out of the corner of my eye, he goes, oh man, man, that hits hard. 
And I look over at him and I was like, dude, it's right. It's true though, man. Everybody's got something big going on. And your big thing is big to you. And it's not the same big as him, but, but it's all equal, man. Our big stuff is our big stuff. Whether you're healing from something that you've been facing, whether you've had some stuff going on um, just in your own life, we've all got big stuff happening. And over the course of these three years, we've all had big stuff going on independently, no doubt about it, every one of us. Um, but as a church, we've also had some big stuff going on. We've had some things to grieve. We've had some really hard situations. We've had some times that we've had to pivot over and over and over again. And it was hard. And as leadership, I'm so thankful for the leadership of our community who said, you know, the goal is let's continue to be who we are. Let's continue to live out our values. Let's continue to be the kind of church that we're trying to be. And so as we got into the summer, we said, you know, what are the things that we want to focus on? You know, we want to focus on fellowship. We want to focus on spending time together. We want to focus on opportunities to gather together, um, but using those opportunities to really think about where we're headed. Um, using those opportunities to look, at, look at, at ourselves and say, what can we do? How can we, each, each and every one of us, be a part of, of looking into this next year and saying, what does it look like for this church to continue to live out its mission and its vision? You know, it's easy to look back, especially when, you, when you know, we planted the church 10 years ago. It was just me, Jill, and Emily before Maggie even came along. And that sunshine of joy and energy that she brings into our lives, man, I think we'd be a totally different. Anyways, anyways. But here we are, you know, the three of us, and, and you look at this thing that, that began, and it looks totally different today. And so it's easy to look back and say, here's where we were, but God is always calling us forward. God is always bringing us into the next iteration, the next season. And I mean that as people. I mean that as a community that God has brought together. So what does it look like for us then to reach out into this community? What does it look to reach this city? What does it look to, to, to bring the mission and vision we have to explore the way of Jesus as we learn to love God, love others, and bring life to our community? And I'm excited about that. But amid that, we have the challenges we faced, and when you face challenges, you don't just leave them in the past, you drag them along with you. They are still there, and so you, sometimes you still have these pieces, and so it causes us, and this is, again, this is just a human nature thing, to look and say, okay, so, so I, I see this in front, I see these challenges, how do I face that, and what do I do about that? How, how do we move into this next season? And so honestly, I'm just saying this, and if, if you're brand new to Southeast, I'm so glad you're here, but for those of us that have been around a long time, and you know the challenges that we've faced. How do we ask ourselves some of these questions? How do we begin to ask ourselves, God, I'm looking at this, and I'm saying, I see some serious challenges, because I know where we've been. I know where we're trying to go. So how do we do that? What does that look like? So as a board, we met, and we started talking, and before we had a meeting, before we, and as we were talking about, you know, what's the fall going to look like? And we had made this, you know, decision, hey, we are going to go back to our weekly gatherings of worship. We had done some pivots, some change, some things that we had done. We said, we want these weekly uh, gatherings of worship. What's that going to look like? And what are the challenges that we're going to face amid that? And those were, that, that was some tough conversations to try to figure through. And as I was planning to have that conversation with the board, um, a verse came to my mind. And, and this verse, um, man, it just, it just came front and center. And it was something that I just felt like Anytime you enter a season, it just seems like God gives us kind of, kind of a theme, kind of something to center around. And I really felt that way about this. Um, I felt this way that every day I have gotten up and I have prayed this prayer because I know that the challenges we face, the things we're trying to do, um, 
you're, you never stop planting a church. Even churches that are 100 years old, the reason that they close is because they never stopped planting. They stopped planting. They stopped trying to reach the next generation. They stopped trying to reach their community, right? Does that make sense? So whether it's five, 10 years, whether it's 50 years from now and it's our kids who are leading this place, their responsibility is to always continue to be out and saying, we are trying to reach people. We're always doing something new. And so in that, they have to look and say, so where does that come from? Where's the energy come from? Where does the strength come from to do that? How do we face the challenges that are no doubt going to come in front of us? Some, early on, some of the challenges that we faced, um, many of you know we started in a bar, um, which is now, what's that bar now? It was Fireside Brewhouse. It's um, Ale Emporium. Yeah, so we started over there. And I remember we met, and we, didn't, we had a date that we were going to start the church. We didn't have a location. And everybody's like, are you guys starting in the bar? And I was like, I don't know. And they were like, do you think it's a good idea to have the preschool kids on the floor of the bar? Is that a good room for them? And I was like, yeah, probably not. Um, the nursery behind the bar, that's probably not a great idea. Um, but I was like, you know, I, I think we'll be okay. We just have to figure this out. Like, we'll, we'll see what happens, right? And I look back and I think, I was either naive, um, maybe a little bit crazy, or I had a huge amount of faith. And man, I really hope it's that third one. Because that's the kind of faith that I want today. And I remember we left the bar one day. And man, that was a cool place, but we, we needed the space. And I remember leaving, and I looked at a person that was helping us at the time, and I looked at her and I said, you know, I wonder about that hotel across the street that had just gotten built. She's like, yeah, let's go over and check it out. So we walk over, we walk across the street, and we're like, hey, we're a brand new church. Uh, we're starting um, in two months or whatever. It was. I think it was like two months. And I said, we're trying to find a place to meet. And they were like, oh, yeah, you guys could totally meet here. And I was like, you know, how much is it normally? And it was like really crazy. And I was like, yeah, that's, that'll last about two months. Let's see how that works out. And they said, but we could do it for X, you know, amount. I think whatever it was, it was way cheaper. And I was like, awesome. And it was like prayers had been answered. And so we launched there. And then a couple weeks later, um, we were trying to figure out what we were going to do with worship. And um, I met with a friend and he was like, hey, I met this guy. I think he might be a good fit for you guys. We called him, met together. I hired the guy. I thought he was, um, he's just this super, super cool guy. Um, and just had a great heart. He shows up, and his very first Sunday, he walks in the doors of our rented hotel facility. He goes, all right, where's all the gear? Let's get started. And I go, funny thing, it got stolen two hours ago um, as the trailer that all of our equipment in, like $20,000 equipment, actually got pulled out of the hotel uh, the night before. He goes, how did you know it got stolen out of the hotel? I said, because I talked to the, the night person, and they said they actually saw the sparks going down the road <laughs> as the trailer was dragging along the road. And we lost everything, including Matt's um, custom-made drum set. <laughs> so that's a totally different story that we actually found that drum set. Anyways, the totally different story. Find me later. I'll talk to you about it. But we said, what are we going to do? How, what how do we face a challenge? All of our stuff is gone. This is 10 years ago, and I thought we were going to close the doors of the church. Our friend Derek walks in, and he goes, you know what we should do, Ryan? He said, we should pray. And I said, boy, I wish I had thought of that. <laughs> like, that's what the pastor is supposed to say, right? <laughs> Let me write that down. That's a great leadership lesson. And so, so we sat, we prayed, and the first words out of Derek's mouth is like, God, we just want to pray for the thieves of the trailer. And I'm like, that's a really good. Like, I was like, wow. Like, I was, I haven't been around long enough. I hadn't been, I hadn't been his pastor long enough to take credit for that. 
Um, so that just shows just the incredible people we have. And he said, let's, let's pray for them. Let's pray for, you know, this. And, and then we had a worship service <laughs> with a guitar and a music stand. I think a pro- we didn't even, they, they were like, do you guys want to have a projector? And I said, like, we'll be fine. And that's the origin, facing challenges with incredible faith. And so as we come into this season, we have eight weeks, seven, eight weeks, eight weeks. As we begin to go, okay, we're counting down. Every time we gather together, we count down to that day that we go back to a weekly worship. But it's not just about weekly worship. It's not just about gathering in rows like this. It's really saying we're gathering in a space and a time saying this is a new season. Because we're going to do some different kinds of ministries. We're gonna, the way that we're approaching things, the way that we gather with our students, all the things that we do, it just, there's, some, there's, there's almost like a kickoff kind of feel to that. How do you enter that with faith? How do you enter that with this kind of excitement? How do you face the challenges? And frankly, some of those challenges seem exceedingly big. They're, some of it's really difficult. You know, you begin to think about where do all the people come from who do all the things that we need to do? What about all the resources that we need to do those pieces? Where does all that come from? And then this verse came to mind. I brought it to the board. I watched as I felt like they all heard the same thing that I did in this. And I want to talk about this verse. And I want this to be at the heart of who we are this summer. And I want us to be the verse that we use as we dream together. So listen to these words. Tim has the easiest sermon slides he's ever had because it's one slide. And it's this verse. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. According to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Now, we're going to split this up over the next few weeks. So in June, as we gather today, as we gather for outdoor worship next week, as we continue on and have opportunities to, you know, just have conversations and, and as I teach throughout, you know, using some social media, pieces like that, I want to spend June really focusing on this verse 20, okay? Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. So I want you to tag this somewhere. I want you to, if you've got a Bible, highlight it. If you've got just, you're taking some kind of note, if you just want to grab your phone, and just write down Ephesians 3.20, just make this your daily prayer. If you would, please, like with me, just join me in thinking about this verse daily throughout this month. I just think it's, it's so incredible. Now to him who is able to do, I measure be born of all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. Now, as I started to think about this verse, I sat down to write the sermon. I started to think about this guy. He's making the rounds on social media. Um, he has sort of become uh, TikTok popular, and he's just this guy that he makes these videos, and he has just gotten super famous for these videos. Um, he sits in this kind of dark room, and he's got a podcast microphone, and he's talking to um, a co-host that you don't ever see, and then he's got a friend, Chris, that you never see that sort of sits off to the side. And if you've seen this guy, these videos are great. He wears a pair of reading glasses, and on top of the reading glasses, he usually has another pair of glasses, and then he's got a pair of glasses that he hangs on his shirt. Because as he starts every video, he takes his glasses and he takes the glasses off. And then he's got his reading glasses underneath. So it's just it's hilarious. Because, and what he says is, he is every dude podcast ever made. And he, he nails it to a T. You know these guys. He's sort of like a mix. He's got a little like 
not like the bad, well, there are, I don't know that they're good parts of Joe Rogan, um, but he's got this sort of just like dude podcast mindset, okay? So he pulls these glasses off, and he goes, can I, can I blow your mind right now? Can, do you know this guy? Yeah, do you know this guy? He goes, can, can I blow your mind right now? And then he goes, so here, here's the thing. He goes, and, and Chris and I were talking about this earlier today. Again, there's no Chris, right? It's like Chris and I were talking about this. Chris is walking out of the room right now. And you can sort of imagine the guy walking out of the room, right? He's like, Chris has heard me say this a million times. And then he goes on and he says the most ludicrous things you could ever possibly imagine. Then nobody goes, that's not true. But because of the music he has and the way that he does it, you're sort of like, I think he just blew my mind. But it's totally just, just ridiculous. But, but what caught me was this idea, can I... Can I blow your mind right now? And then he goes into it. And as I read this, I thought, you know what? I, I think that's what Paul is doing here. I think Paul is sort of sitting back, and as he's writing this letter, and he begins to write this, I sort of imagine Paul going, can I blow your mind right now? Because I'm about to blow your mind. And then he says these words. He says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine." And I feel like that's what he's saying in Ephesians right here. Can, can, can I blow your mind right now? Okay, 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 okay. If I can blow your mind, here goes. Anything you can ask, anything you can possibly imagine, God could do more than that. Think about that for a second, right? <laughs> I sort of imagine this podcast. Like, now think about that. Anything you ask, or imagine. And, and while I'm mocking this guy and his friend Chris and the way they're making the dude podcast, I think Paul is legit serious. Can, can I blow your mind? Anything that you ask or imagine, God can handle, God can answer, God is bigger than any of that. And you can have that kind of faith that anything you ask or imagine, God can do immeasurably more than that. So then I sat back and let me get a drink real quick. I sat back, and I was like, immeasurably more. And I started to think about that, and I was like, what is it? What does immeasurably more really mean? Like, like what? Like, how how do we put that in terms that we can really begin to think about this in an application sort of way? Because I think there is this sort of like mind blowing, like. God can do way more than I can ever imagine, right? But like, how do you define immeasurably more? How can we put it in terms that we can actually begin to think about and begin to understand? So I began to think about some of those weird things that kind of drives Jill crazy, but this kind of stuff that I think about that I just love. One of my favorite things that I love to talk about is the idea that the universe is expanding, right? The universe is expanding at like light speed expansion. And then you go, and it's just a simple question. Into what? What? Huh? And it sounds normal like when Neil deGrasse Tyson says it because he says things in a way you're just like, cool, yeah, that makes sense. And then you walk away and you go, like, you're like, fault. Like, what are you talking about? And he's like, the universe is expanding. Into what? My, and you can, you can actually feel your head start to like, I, at least I do, my head just starts to explode. And this is sort of the idea that I want to have when I think about it, immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. Okay, so now that my brain is burning, now that I realize that the, 
Infinite doesn't even make any sense. Incalculable, right? I can't even put terms into what infinite means because I have no idea what the universe is going into. How can I think about immeasurable? And then I thought about this really cool illustration. So I have a piece of paper here. And if you've heard this before, don't, don't ruin it for the person next to you, okay? If I take this piece, and you've probably heard this before, but don't, don't, again, don't ruin it for Cheryl. If I take this piece of paper and I fold this paper, it's twice as thick, right? Okay. If I take this paper and I fold it again, this paper becomes four, four times as thick, right? This is a sort of, I mean, this is simple math. If I keep going, I'm going to run out of stuff here. But if, if I fold it a third time, it's eight times as thick, right? Now we sort of know this pattern. And we sort of know that if I keep folding this paper, if I keep folding it, it just keeps getting thicker, right? Now here's the question, and this is what I think is super, super cool. How many times, and now I'm asking the kids in here because we don't have our kids ministry, they're with us today. I want adults, be quiet. If you know the answer, don't say it. Kids, how many times do you think I would need to fold this piece of paper to reach the moon? Okay, so I folded it once. Fold it again. I'm going to fold it three times. How many more times do you think I need to fold it to reach the moon? 97, okay. Okay, I'll come back to that because that's a really good. What do you guys think? Like a million times? Like 100,000 maybe? How many, how many times do I need to fold this? Now, listen, I, now, now, okay, so let's get some science here for a second. The moon is 384,000 kilometers away. And a piece of paper is 0.01 centimeters thick, which is about, now listen to this, and Emily, you know this, 3.84 times 10 to the 12th power pages away. That's a lot of paper, but we only have one piece, right? That's a lot of reams of paper. I mean, that, that's incredible, right? So how many times do I need to fold it? Here, here you go, ready? To reach the moon, I would need to fold this piece of paper 42 times. If I fold, Mary's like, I'm going to go home and try to fold a piece of paper. I promise you can't because the, the record is like 13. And somebody had to use like a 3,000 foot piece of toilet paper apparently. Like it's, this is, this is one of those things that if your brain doesn't explode about the immeasurable universe and expanding into things, this is going to. And, and even with muscle man next to you, there's no way you can fold this thing 42 pages. It is not... It's not going to happen. You just, you can't, you can't do it. But listen to what Maggie said. How many times did Maggie say? She said 97, right? Listen to this. <laughs> this is a trip. <laughs> 94 times would get us the length of the visible universe. <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> like this, this is ridiculous. Okay, now, now that I have all that out of the way, Imagine you could write so small <laughs> that whatever you wrote <laughs> would reach all the way to the end of the universe. That everything you wrote on that piece of paper, every question you had, every prayer you ever asked, anything you could possibly ask or imagine, you get to write on that. Now think about that paper as it's sideways, right? I talked about it getting thicker and reaching all the way to the extent of the universe. 
and you get somehow in some kind of ship and you go all the way to the end of the universe and all the way that you're writing, you're writing on the side of that. All the things that you could possibly ask or imagine of God, you're writing those things on that side of that paper all the way until you get to the end of the visible universe. That's what Paul is telling us. Anything that you can possibly ask or imagine, you will never reach to the end. You won't even get out of our solar system by the end of your life. But you, if you could travel all the way and write all those things down, and I want our kids to hear this because I want them to hear God is so big that no question you have is ever too big. You can ask anything Anything that you ever ask or imagine, immeasurable. And then the universe continues to expand. Fold that paper a thousand times. Keep it going. Let it keep going. And you can keep asking and keep asking and keep asking. And that's what Paul was saying. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all you ask or imagine, according to his power at work within us. So some questions. What would you ask God? What prayers would you write on that paper? What is that which you want to see made possible today that seems impossible? Ask and imagine it. Now, let's talk about Paul's context. What was impossible? What seemed like the thing that there was no way that this could ever get figured out? Paul was writing in a very specific context. He was writing to this church in Ephesus. This, this place is like the center of religion. It's the center of business. It's the center of culture. Um, it was located in the Roman Empire, in the area that we call Asia Minor. It's a very diverse community. A lot of different people were there. And Paul had gone to this city. He had started this church, and it had met in a synagogue. Um, we're pretty confident that it had met in a theater at some point. It finally landed in a home of a woman named Priscilla and her husband Aquila, and they led this church. And so it's in this home, it's in this place, this very unique community that was so diverse. Paul writes this, and, and what's really fascinating is he writes this letter while he's in prison. Now, Paul is literally in prison. He can't get out. The walls are right here. We're talking about a measure. Ask all I can, anything you could ever ask or imagine. And Paul's in prison, and he still has the faith to say, even with the challenges in front of me, even the challenges that you face in Ephesus, anything you ask or imagine, God can answer that. So next time you look around and say, look, it's too much. It's too big. Just remember, this guy was writing in prison to a group of people and saying, there's, no, there's nothing too big, guys. There's nothing too big. So what's the big thing? What's going on here? Well, Paul wrote to this church. This, this, church, the, 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 this letter is fascinating because the manuscripts that we have of it, some of them don't even have the name Ephesus in them. So what we know from that is that this actually became what's called a circular letter. It got passed to a whole bunch of churches because the challenges that Paul was facing, the truth that Paul was trying to get, he says, this is a problem. This is an issue. This is so significant, so immeasurable that everybody needs to hear this. And it began to spread to all these different people because they began to find hope in what Paul was writing. They began to see that, yes, the problem can be faced. We can, we can come to a place where we can understand that God can solve this issue. So here's what Paul does. And then I want you to see what he's trying to address. In the first entire chapter of Ephesians, Paul deals with one of the most significant issues that kills the church, and that's division. Division. 
division between two groups. And it sounds weird to us today because this isn't our context, but I want you to kind of put yourself into Paul's context. In the first century, you had two groups of people that were following Jesus. You had Jewish Christians who were following Jesus, and you had Gentile or non-Jewish Christians who were following Jesus. And this seems like, okay, well, they're all following Jesus. Why is this such a big deal? Okay, you're talking about historical stuff. You're talking about cultural issues that, that, are, that are between these folks. You're talking about the way that, hey, these are the foods that we're allowed to eat, and this is the stuff that we do. You're talking about people who used to worship different gods and people who say, can I trust that you're actually in? Are you, are you sure you actually believe the right stuff? I mean, because this is what we do, right? We look at other people, we start getting suspect and go, I don't know that they can be a real Christian. And this is sort of the issue that's facing here, and this is going to destroy the church. And it absolutely has the power to destroy the church. My mom and I were just talking about this. Division will kill church. And Paul says, no. Listen, even this, even this issue that seems so big, friends in Ephesus, I, I, promise, I promise that I know you're scared. I know you're worried. I know that the good news of Jesus needs to spread. And if it is going to spread, we have to solve this. Paul wanted nothing to stand in the way of the good news of Jesus. But I bet, here's the thing, I bet it seemed impossible. Man, I bet he walked into churches, and man, it's not churches like we, it's somebody's house, right? And you got Jewish Christian guy, Gentile Christian guy, and they're looking at each other, and they're ready to go at it, right? There's no way, and we know this because we have the stories of it. All throughout the New Testament, we have stories of, of people looking at each other and going, no, there's no way. You can't do this. You can't do that. Are you sure about this? I don't know about that. Paul, Paul rebuked people. Paul was rebuked by other people because they were all fighting over this issue. And so Paul comes into this place and says, I, I, we need to have, <coughs> excuse me, we need to have unity. <laughs> and so that's, so stop, hold on. We just need to get along. And do you think anybody said, Paul, that's, <laughs> you're naive. There's no way. It can't happen. Let's just have their churches and our churches, and it'll be fine. Paul says, no. Nah. Oh, man, the love of God's bigger than that. Because it's about the good news of Jesus. If you guys would just focus on the good news of Jesus, you would see what's here. So Paul didn't give up. Paul wrote other letters. He faced the challenges. That's the beauty of his letters. He's constantly facing these issues. And then he says, <coughs> as he gets to the end of this, he says this, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. I get it. He says, this is too big. There's no way we can solve this. There, there's no way. And he says, but God can. He can do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. I'm going to cough again. I am so sorry, guys. <coughs> this is a lesson I shouldn't yell at the race. Not that I shouldn't go, but I shouldn't yell. So here's the thing. Things do seem immeasurably difficult, don't they? Let's just talk about this one issue here. 
Do we live in a world of division? <laughs> Randy about lost it. I mean, it all takes on different names. It's not the context he had, right? But, but here, listen to this. The division we have is fuel. It's fuel for ugliness in our culture. It's fuel for politics. It's fuel for talk radio. It divides friendships, neighbors, and families. But man, we got to fight it. Because God will do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine to bring healing to the reality of our culture around us. God can do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine to bring love and grace and mercy into a world in desperate need. God can do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine when we look and say, is it possible for God's love and grace and mercy to rule in this world here and now? And I wouldn't stand here and preach about it if I didn't believe that it was possible. But then Paul does the, the, Paul does the craziest thing. He says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, you go, yes. God can do it. And then he goes, according to his power at work within us. Whoa. All of a sudden, Paul says, yes, God can do it. God can do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine through you and through me and through us and within the church. And all of a sudden, we sit back and go, the church, the broken people, Coming to God for grace and mercy, being restored and renewed, we are to be the hope of the world because it's God's power at work within us. So God can do the immeasurable through us. God does immeasurable more than we ask or imagine through us. It is his power at work within us. And as I wrote this in my notes, I wrote this. This means that what God is doing in the world isn't top down, but it is bottom up. I've been called to point us in the direction that I believe that God is taking us. But it is his power at work within every single one of us that takes it there. If you ever think that I will take our church where our church is supposed to go, and you look at me and think that I'm going to do that on my own, we'll never go anywhere. Because God is at work within every single one of us as a community. This is why Kurt and I were sitting in the back grinning like a couple of fools, because we saw God's power at work within our team. This is why when I sit with the youth group and they begin to talk about the things that they want to do in our church, when Emily wants to sing and Ainsley wants to work in the kids' ministry, and they're all talking about the things that they can bring to the church, you know what I said? I said, yes, that's what we want you to do. Because if you don't do it, we can't be the church that we're called to be. You're not called to be on the sideline until you're old enough to do ministry. You do ministry now. In fact, those kids will probably do ministry better than all of us because they have the energy and the strength and the faith to do it. I look at them and go, man, that's the future right there. God will do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, and he will probably do it more through our kids than he will do it through all of us. When I think about the grace and love and mercy of Jesus, and I think there's no way, it's not gonna happen. Our generation will never figure this out. Have you seen the mess that they make? Everybody just fights with the other. Then I look at our kids and I go, man, the kids are all right. The kids are the hope of the world, man. If you sat one day with us and with our youth group, you would walk out of that place and be like, yes, Jesus is Lord. 
Yes, there is grace and mercy and love. Yes, there is hope in this world. Because God is working through that generation. It is awesome to see. And I challenge you, just come hang out with them for one night and you will see God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine through his power at work through our students. Through his power at work in you. Through his power at work within us. But man, we've got to have big faith. We have to stop looking at the challenges and allowing the challenges to be bigger than the faith that we have. So we've got to start dropping some of these challenges. We have to start saying that the challenges aren't the immeasurable thing. It's the power of God at work within us. That is the immeasurable thing. So stand with me this morning because we're going to do this. We have done this exercise often and we're going to do it again today. I want you to take your hands and I want you to ball them up in a fist. I want you to put them up in front of you like this. Like you are ready to fight. Because that's what begins to happen here. Do you feel the stress inside of you? Do you feel that sort of like barrier that, man, I can't do anything right now. I'm just, I'm just, ugh. All of that, all of that is the challenges that you face. All of that are the things in front of you that you think are too big that God can't handle. All of that is the stuff as a community of faith that we face in front of us that we're saying, God, I don't know how we're going to do this. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to drop the, don't do it yet. We're going to drop those things. And then with those empty hands, with those challenges that we're not going to give strength to any longer, we're going to drop those things and we are going to receive the power of the Holy Spirit and say, God, you at work within us can do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. Whatever God wants to do through us, whatever God wants to do through Southeast, whatever God wants to do through your family, today, receive the Holy Spirit and trust in him to do immeasurably more than all you ask or imagine. So take those things. You ready? Just drop them. God, I drop the fear of resources. I drop the fear of any insecurities we have. I drop the fear of just the things that each one of us is facing in our lives that just seems way too big to handle. Because God, on our own, we know that it's too big to handle. But God, within this community... You have created this community for us to handle those things that seem too big on our own. Because, Father, you, you are big enough. And then, Fathers, we've repeated over and over again in this message today, it is your power at work in and through us that has the power to face all of this. So, Father, we turn our hands over. And, Father, we receive from you. As a community of people, we receive the power of your spirit at work within us. Help us to completely rely on you. Father, it is in your name that we pray today. Amen.